Blog Talk Radio. fans welcome to another episode of world championship boxing and today we are doing another installment of our greatest performances series talking about the three greatest performances of bernard hopkins i'm joined once again by one silver what's up man yes today we will be talking about the executioner bernard hopkins one of the greatest middleweights of all time one of the greatest defensive fighters of all time three three of and he had many three select performances because he had many he we we could have done a four or five part series on this man this man has had a sensational career and he will finally fight his final fight next month in inglewood california yes indeed and uh definitely a um a, a uh, yeah i mean uh, there's so many performances that this guy has pulled out in in oh. with with he's always exceeded expectations i don't think there's ever been a time where You've you've gone into a fight with this guy and been like, oh well, he he didn't do as good as we thought he would. I mean, he usually exceeds what you think he's going to do. And um, one of the one of one uh, uh, the definition of an athlete who doesn't leave anything behind in a fight, he, whether at the age of fifty or at the age of twenty five, he gave it a hundred percent in every outing he ever uh, participated in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh he's also the executioner of careers. He seems to uh put a lot of people yeah, out to pasture. <laughs> because the three guys we'll talk about today were well the exception of Glenn Johnson. Glenn Johnson after he lost to Bernard Hopkins, the first fight we'll talk about, was a five hundred fighter the rest of his career. He went twenty two and twenty one after losing this fight. But he had a couple of great victories and was a two-time light heavyweight champion of the world. Um, Kelly Pavlik was never the same, and Antonio Tarver was never the same. No, indeed. So let's get into it. What are these three performances? um... All right, so July 20th, 1997, Bernard Hopkins making the fifth defense of his IBF middleweight championship against the then-undefeated Glenn Johnson. Then we go to June 10th, 2006, he goes up against the ring light heavyweight champion of the world, Antonio Tarver, in which he was a huge underdog going into that fight against Antonio Tarver. Then he goes, then the last fight, 2008, he goes up against the ring middleweight champion of the world, Kelly Pavlik. So these are the three fights we'll be talking about um, in chronicling the legendary career of the legendary executioner, Bernard Hopkins. Now, what would you say his, his true weight class Middleweight. I mean, he he he's one of the greatest middleweights of all time. The fact that he was so great at light heavyweight after the age of forty is uh, beyond real. I mean, because I know James Tony sort of had similar success as a heavyweight after he was. Yeah, uh, James Tony, Roy Jones, and Bernard Hopkins all should have stayed at middleweight. They would have had a great career facing the three of them. Their three greatest weight classes were middleweights. Yeah, um, that, Tony. Tony and Jones went up, and 
after they left the division, Hopkins just dominated the division because he had no competition after Tony and, and Jones moved up. And he never fought Tony, did he? No, he never fought Tony. Tony moved up to middleweight right right around the time Hopkins had become a contender. Tony moved up Tony moved up to super middleweight in 1993. As matter, no, a matter of fact, that t- at that point in time, Berth, this is a perfect segue into talking about Bernard. I'll bring up James Tony after I talk about Bernard Hopkins because it segues into Hopkins' career. Bernard Hopkins, at the age of 17, went to jail for an assortment of felonies, eight or nine felonies. He was convicted in 25 years. Um, he was given parole at the age of 25. He served eight years in prison in a correctional facility in, in, in Pennsylvania. I mean, he was a hard criminal. He said that he started committing major crimes at the age of 11 and 12, 11 and 12 robbing people, selling drugs, the, uh, um, attempted murder. Bernard Hopkins in, in the city of Philadelphia was a badass. He looked like he was on his way to becoming a career criminal. While in prison, he witnessed the murder, and that turned his life around. He, no longer did he want to be a petty, a petty, hardened career criminal. He took up boxing in prison, not one amateur fight. When he was released in prison at the age of 25, instead of becoming an amateur boxer, he went straight into professional boxing and lost his first very first fight. He lost his very first fight. After losing that fight, he went on to win 21, 22 consecutive fights. Before fighting Roy Jones Jr., May of 1993, for the IBF Middleweight Championship, a title that James Tony had vacated to move up to super middleweight. I got you. So, uh, so then, then he that fight he lost, right? Uh, Roy Jones put on a masterful boxing performance. Um, Roy Jones knew that Hopkins was a dangerous fighter, so he boxed safely to win a 12-round, rather easy unanimous decision. Um, you have to really search hard to give Hopkins more than two rounds in that fight. Roy Jones boxed brilliantly and, and won a very decisive 12-round decision. And then Jones, after defending title two times, he would move up to super middleweight where he would beat James Tony for the for James Tony's IBF super middleweight championship, leaving the title vacated vacant again. And Bernard Hopkins would travel to Ecuador and fight the number two contender, uh, Hopkins being the number one contender for the IBF uh, middleweight championship, and they would fight a controversial twelve round draw. I thought Hopkins won this fight. They gave uh, Mercado a hometown, a hometown draw. And so the rematch occurred uh, about five months later, April 29th, 1995. Hopkins knocks out Mercado in the seventh round to win the IBF middleweight championship. Wow. Now, uh, he's not a big knockout guy, right? I mean, he's usually winning decisions in these fights, right? He, he, um, he is the epitome of a 15-round fighter. If Bernard Hopkins fought in the 70s and 80s, he'd be one of those guys like Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali, who got stronger as the fight progressed, and he would have been a great 15-round fighter. So, yes, most of his fights were either late-round stoppages or unanimous decision wins. So then um, he's the so, – so you're coming into this first fight then. He's the champion. He's had it for yes, what, a year? Yes, title. This is his fifth defense, June 20th, 1997. 
against the highly rated and undefeated contender from Jamaica, Glenn Johnson. Now, Glenn Johnson at this point, um, he was um, coming on pretty strong, right? But still... He was was undefeated 32-0 with 24 knockouts, but highly untested. Right, but still not in with top competition. He comes in here, he gets a boxing lesson, but um, why don't you talk about what how Bernard Hopkins was able to neutralize Johnson here. Glenn Johnson is also a boxer puncher. I mean, Bernard Hopkins is a boxer, not a boxer puncher. Bernard Hopkins is a master technical boxer, just a beautiful boxer. Glenn Johnson, who has a decent jab, abandoned the jab, and was trying to come at Bernard. Sluggers cannot defeat Bernard. Bernard in his prime, if you are a slugger, you are fighting into you, you, you you're fighting into his game. He dominates sluggers, and he dominated Glenn Johnson. I mean, he went to the body. He threw combinations. This I picked this fight because this fight shows Bernard Hopkins in his prime, just at the age of 32, just dominating. Yeah, which is surprising that he lost that this Johnson that this um, guy lost to um, Jones. Oh no, no at in their prime, if you look at James Tony Roy Jones and Bernard Hopkins, and Bernard Hopkins will be the first to admit them, admit this. The three of them in their primes, Hopkins is the third best fighter of those three. Is that right? Yes, yes. Tony and Roy Jones Jr. had legendary, legendary, legendary A plus boxing ability in their prime. Bernard Hopkins would be an A, an a fighter. They were A plus fighters in their. Uh, respective primes. Okay, so so it was like it's almost though that Hopkins has gotten so legendary because in his older age he's been able to stay almost like fighting like While a young. Those guys are, have no business. Uh, all three are in the same age range. Right. Um, uh, Tony was born in '67. Roy Jones was born in '68, and Hopkins was born in '65. Past the age of forty, all uh, Tony and and, and um. Jones, who are still fighting, have no business being in the ring, while Hopkins has never embarrassed himself. Yeah, who knows? He may have missed one, but uh, <laughs> but we'll see. But let's let's talk about now. He he um, this this fight that he okay, so he wins it, it, here. A, it was just a brilliant display of boxing. I mean, he did whatever he wanted to do. He held he he, he boxed brilliantly, beautiful jab, hook to the body. I mean. He, and he made Glenn Johnson miss every day, all night. Yeah, he barely hit him, right? Um, when it comes to the greatest defensive fighters of all time, I would have to put Bernard fifth as the fifth greatest defensive fighter of all time. Trinidad, I mean, I'm sorry. My, Whitaker, Pep, and Whitaker, Pep, and Mayweather are the three greatest. However you want to put those three. I won't argue you say any of those three are one, two, and three. Whatever category you want to put those three, those are the three greatest defensive fighters of all time, followed by Winky Wright, and number five would be the legendary executioner, Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins is one of the greatest defensive all, fighters of all time. He's the greatest defensive middleweight champion of all time. Now, they say that he idolized Marvin Hagler. Is this? Yeah, yes, and he always mentioned this. That was a Great comment made by Tim Allen and Gil Clancy. Um, not Tim Allen, uh, Tim Ryan and Gil Clancy. Um, 
his his idol was Marvin Hagler. But I mean, but Marvin Hagler is kind of a different kind of fighter, right? Well, Marvin Hagler was a boxer puncher who would adjust his style to the to to your style. Well, Bernard basically was a boxer. But you see, you see elements of of Hagler in, in Bernard Hopkins' game. Other than, but the big fact is, one's a softball, one's conventional. But what other fighters does he harken back to? Because it seems like he has a unique style. On, on... He was trained by an, an old Philadelphia native, Bowie Fisher, and Bowie Fisher uh, showed him videotapes of Shigure Robinson, all the great uh, Georgie Benton, a lot of great fighters from the fifties and sixties, and Bernard incorporated a lot of those tapes into his style. Because remember, when Bernard came out of prison, he was raw. He never had an amateur fight. Yeah, he seems like he does a lot of stuff. Like he does a lot of feints. Oh, he, he does a lot of beautiful. We'll talk about that in the Pavlik fight because he's fucking mesmerized Pavlik with one feint after another. Yeah, and he does a lot of he does. I mean, he does throw the jab, but it's very kind of like it doesn't do it regular. So I guess that he catches you by surprise with that thing. Um, no, but he, he he keeps it in all three of these fights and. The best his jab ever was, and the reason I didn't pick that this fight I'm about to talk about is because we we covered it on the greatest fights of all time. The best his jab ever looked was against Felix Trinidad in their September 2001 fight in Madison Square Garden. Yes, yes, indeed. So, okay, so we're, we're going to jump a pretty long time oh, but, here. But in this fight, I mean, he's just battering. Johnson's face is all lumped up. Both his eyes are close to being shut where... Finally, in the 11th round, the referee stops the fight. Johnson takes a brutal beating, an outstanding performance. And this fight was so impressive that Gil Clancy, the legendary trainer who was a color commentator, goes, man, I think we see a new star in boxing. This guy's great. Yeah, because you look at where they were fighting, man. It looked like no one really gave a shit about this fight. Um, well, it was on national television. It was on CBS Sports during the, during the afternoon. But like you said, it wasn't a small dingy arena and um other than being on national television like you said no one cared at this point in time bernard was making no money as he had fired his uh, manager and promoter butch lewis who was robbing him blind and he was being shut out of big middleweight fights because he refused to sign with don king at the time don king was the controller of boxing at this point in time in 1997 so who was uh the big in the middleweight division then he was the best fighter in the middleweight division. The other two champions, William Joppy and Keith Holmes, were Don King fighters. And Don King made sure to keep keep these guys away from Hopkins unless Hopkins would sign a five-fight option deal with Don King. And Bernard wasn't going to do that. Bernard Hopkins, a legendary free agent throughout his career. So what does he do after this? After this, he cleans out the division until finally him and Don King in, in the in – the, Spring of 2001, he 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 um engages in Don King's uh, middleweight tournament, and in 2001, the three middleweight champions of the world still are Bernard Hopkins, William Joppy, and Keith Holmes. Don King comes to an agreement with Bernard Hopkins as he brings in the junior middleweight champion of the world, Felix Trinidad, to complete the quartet for the middleweight championship tournament to be held on HBO. And in, his, and in the very first fight in April, um, on back-to-back weeks, weeks Keith, um, Bernard Hopkins defeats Keith Holmes. I mean, he gives him beating over 12 rounds, and Felix Trinidad destroys William Joppy 
in five. So the championship match, the end of the tournament, would occur September 29, 2001, in one of the greatest performances of his career, probably the greatest performance of Bernard Hopkins' career, as he gives Felix Trinidad the ultimate boxing lesson, finally knocking him out in the 12th round in front of, a rab- in front of his rabid fans in Madison Square Garden. Yo, but uh, when he when he um, defeated Trinidad, was Trinidad at his best, or is this an older Trinidad? Trinidad was in his prime. Yeah. Trinidad was saving going into that fight. I was one of the few people among among my friends who stated, Hopkins is winning this fight. My father had just passed the year before, and had my father been alive, he would have said, he would have said the same thing. Trinidad was tailor-made for Hopkins. First of all, something that we neglected to talk about. Bernard Hopkins has one of the five to ten greatest chins of all Oh, he will do. Yeah, that's for sure. One of the great, that man has a granite chin. Felix Trinidad was not going to knock out Bernard Hopkins. That's the only way he could have beaten Bernard. He wasn't going to outbox Bernard. He had to knock Bernard out. Bernard Hopkins knew this. Bernard Hopkins in that fight, and I mentioned this, go to the archives on our greatest fight series. He knew every move Felix Trinidad was going to make before Felix Trinidad did. It was a sensational performance. He knocks him out in the 12th round, and Trinidad was never the same after that fight. Trinidad at the very early, Trinidad was only 27, 28 at this point in his career, and he was never the same. Yeah, and he was riding high. He was kicking ass, too, himself. So He was undefeated, destroying everybody, and Hopkins ruined his career. Executioner. Then, and then another great performance, one of the greatest body punches, Ever landed in the history of boxing, he knocks out Oscar De La Hoya with a right hook to the body in in um the fall of 2004. Another great um, knocked on. Um, but that was an older, that was older De La Hoya, right? Yeah, De La Hoya, that was De La Hoya past his prime. Yes, I agree with that one. But and even then though, in then in 2005, in his 21st defense, he finally loses the title to Jermaine Taylor and loses a subsequent rematch in the winter of 2005. And at that point in time, everybody's writing Bernard Hopkins off. He turns 41 in January and then signs to fight Antonio Tarva, who was coming off beating the hell out of Roy Jones Jr. two times in a row. Tarva, huge favorite. The next fight we talk about, June of 2006. And Tarva had fought uh, Jermaine Taylor too, right? No, no, oh, no. he hadn't. Now, Jermaine Taylor, just talk about him, because I remember him uh, losing to Jermaine Taylor those two fights, and they were – Pretty boring ass fights too. I have to tell you. And Bernard Bernard beat himself in those two fights. Bernard should have never lost to Jermaine Taylor. But both fights, Bernard tried to take Jermaine Taylor into deep waters, which he did. He gave away the first six rounds in both fights. And while he dominated the fight in the second half of both fights, it was too little, too late in both fights. Both fights were replica of each other. Hopkins losing narrow decisions because he started too late. I see. Yeah, he just took he, he. I understand his strategy, but it was it made for a pretty shitty fight. It wasn't that cool, good to watch. Both fights were very shitty fights. Yes, yeah. I agree. So let's. So then he comes back here. He, he's got the advantage of uh, Tarver coming off the Rocky Balboa thing. He had gained weight for that and had to come down. Meanwhile, he was bulking up. He was eating as much as he wanted. Uh, also, two things. Tarver had to lose the weight to fight Bernard and. Tarver took Bernard for granted. I think Tarver, if you look at this fight, Tarver figured he just Tarver was riding high. He coming, he he knocked out Roy Jones Jr. with one shot with a spectacular left cross in two thousand and um four, 
and he beat the shit out of Roy, Roy Jones in their rematch in the fall of 2005. So he's riding high. He's the ring middleweight, a lightweight champion of the world. He just he, he just did the Rocky Balboa movie. He's on fire. Comes in this fight. Um, he didn't train. I mean, he trained to take the weight off, but he did not trade to a fight Bernard. He had, he had no strategy. He went in there thinking all he had to do was hit Bernard one time and it was over. He read the clippings. People failed to realize. While Bernard was 41 coming into this fight, Antonio Tarver was 37. And Antonio Tarver lost, had to drop 40 pounds for this fight. So there you go. When you're that old, losing all that weight is no good. And, it's, and, and Tarver should have known better. Same thing happened to Roy Jones when Roy Jones went up to heavyweight, lost 40 pounds to fight Tarver and look listless. That's what happens, man. You got to give yourself that time, man. I, don't, I mean, it's almost stupid to go up there if you plan on coming back down because it's just like, just uh, you're gonna fuck yourself. But he he definitely was like a lethargic in the fight. I mean, I just don't know what a prime Tarver would have done against him. Because um, Tarver, a prime Tarver would have got his ass kicked because Tarver, I just like a prime a prime Roy Jones would have beaten Tarver. Tarver got Roy Jones. Past his prime, right? He fights to past his prime, Bernard Hopkins, and gets his ass handed. <laughs> yeah. Still imagine if he would have fought a prime Bernard Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Just, but he definitely was looking like it discouraged. His corner wasn't doing him any favors. Like every time he got in the corner, they were like, "Come on, man!" Well, but they you see, Tava, Tava has a very good right jab. Tava southpaw fight. Right. He did not use the jab at all in this fight. Not at all. He was looking for one shot. He was definitely looking for that head and shot. That's not going to work against Bernard Hopkins. Even Bernard Hopkins' last fight against Sergey Kovalev two years ago. Kovalev utilized the jab brilliantly. Kovalev just didn't go in and roughhouse Bernard. He fought a tremendous technical fight. You just don't go in and, and, and beat Bernard, trying to knock him out without any type of uh, technical style. He got his ass handed to him. He's coming, he's coming at Bernard. Bernard fainted. Bernard made a miss all night long. And Bernard kept landing that right cross, which is, which is the best weapon against the southpaw, all night and all all night long. It was just a one-sided beating. He knocks down Tarva for the first time, albeit a, 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 a flash knockdown, with a right cross in the seventh round. And at that point, it was over. And Tarva didn't win a single round on my scorecard in this fight. Uh, the judges gave him two rounds. I don't know where they found it. Tarva took a severe beating, and Tarva was never the same after this fight. He was just, yeah, I mean, it was too bad because I, I, he kind of just mentally was checked out of this fight uh, really early. Um, so, I, I think he got, I think after the fifth round when he realized he couldn't hurt Hopkins and he knew the only way to beat Hopkins was to knock him out, he knew it was over. Yeah, because he was like, fuck, I, I can't fight. This whole fight, man, like this is going to be. He was he was not in good shape. He he wanted this thing to be over, and it was not uh, ending. So that's the thing about um, where would you get the idea that you could knock out, um, knock this guy out? I mean, he hasn't been well, knocked, because out. He knocked out because he knocked out the the once invincible Roy Jones Jr. He yeah, was but riding high. Who knocked out? Who has ever knocked out Hopkins? <laughs> no, but nobody ever knocked. Well, nobody had ever knocked out Roy Jones Jr. before Tarver did it. I guess you're right. Um, Tarver felt that he was indestructible at that point in time. Oh, I knocked out the guy who beat Bernard Hopkins. Was Roy Jones known for his chin, too, or was he just... Well, no, Roy uh, Tarver 
And then Glenn Johnson, the guy that, that uh, and it's funny, the first two guys that we talk about on this, on this uh, that Hopkins greatest performance against, both knocked out Roy Jones Jr. Glenn Johnson almost killed Roy, Roy Jones Jr., and Tarver was the first to knock him out. In 2004, Roy Jones Jr. suffered two knockouts that he never recovered from, and it was the first time we saw he didn't have a chin. Tarver and then Glenn Johnson. And Glenn Johnson almost killed Roy Jones Jr. because when Glenn Johnson knocked out Roy Jones Jr., Roy Jones Jr. stayed on the canvas for almost a half hour unconscious. Wow. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just amazing that he got that far in his career without getting knocked out with his chin so weak. Because of Roy Jones is the fastest fight ever fight in the history of boxing. His speed and athletic ability and punching power was so ridiculous that people didn't want to take a chance because they were because to commit they would get hit. I got you. So, but hey, this guy um, talking about Hopkins though, this guy can punch fast. But it was still oh, yeah. he, he, even even in his 40s, his hand speed was better than Tarver's and was much better than the next fight we talk about. But before we talk about uh, Kelly Pavlik, after this fight, a year later, Hopkins put on another tremendous boxing uh, display by defeating Ricky White, giving Ricky White his first loss in almost 10 years. I'm sorry, in over 10 years, in 13 years. Yeah, that was the, so. So, um, and he uh, was favored. I think he was favored to win, right, White? No, Hopkins was favored to win. A lot of people didn't think Ricky could move up to light heavyweight and, and win the lightweight title. Uh, a lot of people thought it would be closer than it was. Ricky was never in the fight. Hopkins, Ricky's a boxer. The only way to beat Hopkins is to box. But Ricky was already past the stage where he could move for twelve rounds. I got you. Okay, so then, um, and then to once again, after that, he would be outboxed by Joe Calzaghe in a very boring fight. Calzaghe won the fight. I I agree. I agree with the scores, but it was a very boring fight. But Calzaghe fought the right fight in the first round. Hopkins knocked out Calzaghe with a quick right cross. Calzaghe realized, well, I got a box, and he, and the only way to beat Bernard Hopkins is to box outbox him, and he outboxed Bernard, winning seven of the last eight rounds to win a split decision. Well, this shows you how great Calzaghe was, right? I mean, yes, he... Yes. And he will be the subject of, of, of our show in, before the end of the year. Yeah, because this guy, I mean, you talk about outboxing, the outbox, outboxing a guy who's one of the greatest boxers of all time. <laughs> yes, yes. So, that's what he did, yes. So, he so had, after losing to Calzaghe, Hopkins agrees to fight the middleweight champion of the world, a guy who defeated Jermaine Taylor twice, finally knocking him out one time and winning a, a decision the next time. Once again, Hopkins goes into a fight where he's a heavy underdog, a four-to-one underdog. A lot of people are ripping Bernard Hopkins. Oh, you're fighting this young beast. This guy's going to kill you. A lot of people expected Pavlik to knock out Hopkins. A one-sided beating. In the second round, he faced with a jab and Staggers Pavlik with a left hook. That was it. After that, it was all Hopkins. Yeah, Pavlik. Now, this talk about Pavlik a little bit. Now, is this just guy? Just uh, he was just kind of got some easy fights, or did he? Who, no, did he... no. When he beat Taylor both times, Taylor has an outstanding jab. Pavlik out jabbed Taylor both fights, which and um, Emmanuel Stewart brought it up in, in doing the um, doing the telecast because he trained Taylor for those two fights. Pavlik. Knocked everybody by knocking out Taylor the first time and then outboxed him the second time. People thought 
he was he's six foot four with power in both hands, especially the right cross. People thought that Bernard was just you know this was one fight too many. Once again, Bernard Hopkins proves all the critics wrong. He does, man, and the, and the thing is, is that he he does it so casually, nonchalantly. Uh, I just I think he just. He has a good job of just dictating the pace of the fight, and then it's his fight. Which and a great point because Pavlik averages up until that point was averaging over seventy punches per round. Bernard cut his output in half. Yeah, and he was. It became just Pavlik trying to fight a Bernard Hopkins fight. And also, fight. Pavlik abandoned the jab. Like yeah, Pavlik has an outstanding jab. Was nowhere to be seen in this fight. Yeah, why does what what is it about Hopkins that he makes you pay for having a jab? I mean, is it just that he he that gets, right cross of his? Uh, well, the, the best uh, the Bernard, uh, Bernard's best punch is his right cross. It's it's a hard right cross. While it's not a one knockout type punch, he he, he he you feel it, and after you feel it a few times, you begin to abandon the jab. Yeah, so I guess so because uh, he didn't. I mean, he threw it a little bit in the first couple rounds. Hey, remember. But, Trinidad had a very good jab, non-existent in his fight against Hopkins. Yeah. All these guys, he you, he, 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 he shuts it down. The, I mean, Roy Jones knew to use the jab, and, and he stayed away from Hopkins. But uh, and um, Taylor used the jab brilliantly in both fights against Hopkins, as did Chad Dawson later on in their two fights. So this motherfucker who's fighting him, what's his name? So about Kelly Pavlik? No, the guy that's fighting him next. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Smith. Does he have a jab? He's got a great left hook. <laughs> he's got no jab. <laughs> so he's going to lose. I think, um, I mean, unless dude is, like, too old, but I, he looks pretty good. Um, but so we have this fight here. I mean, just talk a little, little bit how he put takes I mean, the, him to school. Heard, in the second round, he faced, throwing the jab so much, he faced a jab. Pavlik falls for it, and he lands a tremendous left hook that staggers Pavlik. Pavlik does a little two-step. And that's to hold on. After that, it's all Hopkins. Round after round, he's beating the shit out of Pavlik with what with one right cross after the other. In the twelfth, late in the fight, before the twelfth round, late in the fight, eighth or ninth round, he does a bolo punch in a ten punch combination. Yeah. And Pavlik staggered again. I mean, he's doing whatever he wants to against a guy seventeen years younger than him. Is he is he just exposing this guy as being not great of a fighter, or is it just that he's that good? I mean, is is he that just that great? Because Pavlik had you know dominate the middleweight division up until that point. He was killing everybody. Yeah, yeah. people really yeah people had a lot of uh, stock in him, and and he did go down. Did now did what what did he do after this um, Pavlik? Uh, about a year later, he would a year to two later he would lose the middle the. the Middleweight championship of the world to Sergio Martinez, and that was the end of his career. Right on. I saw at the end of this Mosley in the ring with, uh, I guess he's on the same team. Yeah, Mosley, De La Hoya, and Hopkins all at this point were uh, co owners of Golden Boy Promotions. Oh, okay. So Hopkins is uh, safe to say that he's sitting pretty right now. Bernard Hopkins is one of the wealthiest fighters to ever fight. Um, they always joke, and he said it himself. He saved the first dollar he ever made in boxing. Bernard lives a very frugal life. He's never he's never worn any jewelry. You don't see any tattoos on his body. He's old school. Yeah, and he doesn't take. He's not like a big he partier. He owns one house. 
He owns one car. Wow. Look at that. His six kids, all from the same woman. He has no whip children out of wedlock. All of his children are by his wife. He's even frugal when it comes to his sex life. <laughs> you know, man, this guy, you know, as much as he gets a lot of shit, though, for some reason. I mean, this guy is like an exemplar to kids. He's and shit. exemplary. He's an example for all athletes. Never mind fighting. But he's, he's an but example he... for all athletes to follow his the way he lives his life. The man was a convicted felon. The man was the man was a hardcore criminal. He turned his life around. Unique of of, of of fellow athletes, people in general, follow this man's career, follow his example. He saves his money. He's a multi, multi, multi millionaire. His grandkids, his great great grandkids will never have to suffer because of the way he's led his life since coming out of prison. So at the end so at the end of this fight, he's he. There's this big kind of like melee. You know, they get into sort yeah, of an argument. Pavlik is frustrated because Pavlik took, took such a beating right. that he tries to keep fighting. Um, um past the the bell. But uh, Hopkins, Hopkins got it to his head. But eventually, I see there's like him talking to him and giving him like kind of a like they they. He's trying, they, he's trying to get he's trying to give him advice and um, Pavlik Pavlik didn't heed his advice. <laughs> um, Pavlik Pavlik retired before the age of thirty. He this this was it for him. Huh? I mean, he, he he said he came back. He lost. Well, he lost the title, Sergio Martinez. Then fought a couple of uh, substandard fighters, and then retired. But I thought that so this fight here wasn't for a title. No, because that because Hopkins had just lost the light heavyweight title to Calzaghe, and Pavlik was moving up to light heavyweight. So this was a not see Pavlik wins this fight. He gets to fight Calzaghe. Didn't happen. I got you. Well, why didn't um, um, Bernard fight Calzaghe again? I guess he didn't now, want. Now Calzaghe a month later would would beat the shit out of Roy Jones Jr. A fight that we'll talk about in Calzaghe's greatest performances. And then Calzaghe refused to fight Bernard Hopkins because he felt Bernard was a racist from some of the things Bernard said after their fight. And so instead of getting a lucrative rematch, Calzaghe left tens of millions of dollars on the table and just decided to retire. Wow, that's uh, yeah. He, he retired at what forty nine and zero or something. Forty six and zero. Forty six and zero. Yeah. So he's so he's. Um, I mean, you know, cemented. Obviously, he's a great fan. We're going to talk about it, him. I think I, I think it would. I think it was a, a, a wise decision by Calzaghe. I think Hopkins beats him in a rematch because Hopkins had him figured out. Uh, Calzaghe had had shown slippage in his fights with Roy Jones Jr. and Mikel Kessler, so he would. So instead of giving uh, Hopkins a rematch, he wisely retired because in his fight with Kessler, which was a very good fight, he had shown that he had lost a step. Right, right. So it was time for him to go. So um, now you have him doing the announcement. And then it came out that Calzaghe was having severe cocaine issues. Can't have that fighting Hopkins. Hopkins would have beaten him the second fight. Hopkins does not drink, does not smoke, has done none of those vices. He might have done those vices when he was a child. When he was an adolescent, but since coming out of prison, he's touched none of that stuff. He's lived, I mean, an exemplary life since coming out of prison. <laughs> he has, man, and he's great. I mean, he's... A, I, even at 51, he's got a physique most fighters would wish to have. <laughs> he's amazing, man. I think he one time came to the ring as, like, the alien. What was that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was when he beat, that's when he beat Tavares Cloud for the... To win the light heavyweight championship of the world for the third time, but he came out once and he when he lost recently. I guess it was uh, to um, 
That's Kovalev. right. It was Kovalev, Kovalev. Yeah, he did the same shit. But it was um, it was funny, and uh, yeah, he's got it. Kovalev is, um, you know, so he never fought um, uh, the guy who Kovalev's going to fight next here. He it's ne- funny you say that. It's funny you say that. After he defeated Tavares Cloud to win the light heavyweight championship a third time, Andre Ward was at ringside, and Bernard Hopkins screams at him, "I'll never fight you. Don't think about it." It'll never happen. <laughs> well, at least he's honest. That's hilarious. He screamed. It was hilarious because Andre Ward started Because la- Andre Ward was doing the commentating. Yeah. With, uh, and when the fight was over, the first thing Hopkins did was, was scream at Andre Ward. Don't even think about it. I'm not fighting you. Because <laughs> he knows he'd lose, right? Yes, yes. In their primes, Andre Ward would have beaten Bernard Hopkins because he's the type of fighter that gives Bernard Hopkins problems. There you go. So we're going to see that uh, coming up pretty soon here, Kovalev. Uh, But uh, all right, man, so I guess we can um, wrap it up here, and uh, we're going to be talking what next? The next fighter we'll talk about fought another fight last night. He has no business fighting. Uh, People getting happy because he beat the hell out of a fucking substandard fighter. Whoop-de-damn-do. The next fighter in our series will be Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao. Yeah, some of you might know who that is. So <laughs> Google him. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. Um, talk to you a little bit later. And uh, I will. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Check us out at geekdom101.com. All our archives are there. One Silver also writes articles on other things, not just boxing, music, and other things. The, o- the only boxing related article I ever wrote on was about Muhammad Ali and had nothing to do with his boxing career. Right, his activism. Yes. But uh but yeah, this uh this is uh this is a site with lots of different stuff, so check it out. Geekdom one oh one. And it's oh, got all it's got all our podcasts, all our movie and boxing podcasts on it. That's it. And uh one Silva, talk to you soon, man. Thanks again. Talk to you in a few hours, big man later. Peace.